Welcome to episode 19 of the Go Get an Agility podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes, and I'm your host, along with my daughter, Emma Hughes. Hi, Emma. Hi, everybody. So the other day, we started a podcast, and I couldn't I couldn't figure out what I wanted to, how I wanted to say something, which is kind of a regular for me, unfortunately, but um, I, I couldn't articulate how I wanted to express some of the stuff that I was doing with Eli. And so we we scrapped the podcast. We didn't do it. We didn't finish recording it. And I went home, went away and, and just thought about it. Well, I, I think I've come up with how I want to articulate it. So today's podcast is about foundations about how foundations are not sexy, but you need to do them anyway. Or you don't have <laughs> to do them, but my goodness, what a difference foundations can make in future agility dogs that if you don't do foundations in the beginning, likely you're going to have to do some sort of backwards foundation it, it, when you get up to a level where you want to run smoothly. Right. What did, what's that saying? You have to crawl before you can walk. Yeah. And you have to walk before yeah. you can run. Exactly. Yeah. So I was thinking about what are um, the foundations that I'm doing with Eli? So Eli is my puppy and he is now coming up on 14 weeks. So he's 13 and a half weeks, three and a quarter months. I've been training him every day since the day that he came home. Every day we do something with his breakfast or his dinner or just in the middle of the day. We're, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally training him 24-7, either on settling or on obedience or on some agility foundations. And he's doing amazing. I'm absolutely thrilled with what I'm seeing. And But I was thinking about that some of the stuff that I'm doing, I don't do in my beginning agility classes. I do not do them in my foundation classes. And I was trying to figure out, is it two in the weeds for most of my students? And most of my students come to me are pet people. So they're, I have, I have every once in a while I get a, a, I'm getting more and more of people that are on their second, third, fourth dog. Um, and they definitely want a trial. So I always have in mind, working even my pet dog people every single one of those dogs as if they're going to trial because i've had a lot of people come in we're just doing this for fun we're just doing this for exercise and then they get to a level where they're pretty dang good and they're like okay maybe i do want to try a trial and so i always train every single one of my students with the intention of trialing students that doesn't mean you ever have to trial just know that. Yeah, if she tries to pressure you, um, don't come to me because I will pressure you as well. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. True. I don't know what to do about that. But yeah, uh, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> enjoy the class for what it is. Uh, you do not ever have to trial, but I do love to see my students trialing, um, mm -hmm. and I love my students that don't trial. Just saying that. Okay. So, uh, but I was thinking about all the stuff that I'm doing with Eli. And some of it I do, some of it I do do in my foundation class, other things I don't. And I was trying to figure out, is it because it's too in the weeds or is it something that I expect in obedience? And I figured it out. 
it's something that I expect to have, have happened in obedience classes. And maybe I'm wrong in assuming that. Maybe, although some of my dogs come in, they have stellar obedience and they're exactly where they should be for agility. So some instructors out there, some obedience instructors out there, or at least students of mine are doing a stellar job with their obedience because obedience, there is a direct relation to agility um, from, and, I, and go ahead. Sorry. Continue. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, well, I was about to list <laughs> off. I was about to list yeah. off the obedience that I think has a direct thread. So what were you going right. to Right. Yeah. You do that. And then I'll say my thing. Cause it correlates to that. Okay. So the things that directly affect agility is one settling down, <laughs> learning how to settle in obedience, learning how to chill on a mat, on a station, um, just learning how to observe other dogs working without being in a high state of arousal. Or if you are in a high state of arousal, little doggy, you are um, staying on your station anyway and either redirecting onto a toy or um, learning how to settle more effectively each time. So settling is one. And I do that. Um, I do settling exercises with Eli uh, almost on a daily basis. We do not only settling on stations and working when other dogs are working, we also are learning how to just hang out when I'm talking, uh, not constantly being in interaction with the people that are next to me. And we also do handling settling, which I think directly influences, although that's more veterinary based, in my opinion, than uh, agility based. But here's where the connection is for handling is that eventually I'm going to be having people hold Eli while I do a recall. And so I don't want him in lovey-dovey mode. I want him in settled, focused mode. So there's there's that coming down the pipeline. Uh, the other thing that is directly influenced by obedience is heel work. Now, in, in obedience, they do healing on the left side. In agility, we do healing on the right and left side. So we work on both sides of us. And the main difference between obedience healing is the, I think the level of focus and the location in relation to your um, laterally away from your leg. So in agility, we have a much bigger bubble. They're running, you know, five, eight feet, sometimes more uh, uh, laterally away from us. Minimum, minimum that they're running is a jump wing, right? So a foot and a half or just over a foot. I've never measured a jump wing, but I'm going to guess they're roughly- I think they vary too. Um, yeah, I'm roughly going to say they're 16 inches. Um, so that foot and a half running, learning to run next to you in heel position, at least a foot away. And, and the bubble, I don't work on the bubble other than I don't want them under my feet. So I don't want them in Schutzen heel position, right? Or competitive heel position at a fast walk or even at a run um, or a jog. So, but heel position, right side and left side equally at a walk and left side, right side 
at a jog and left side, right side at a run. And not only on a straight line, but in a, a circle as well. So big egg shaped circle. That's interesting. See, I think this is where we disagree a little bit because I never taught dot to heal for the purpose of agility. Now, before I go into that, uh, I would like to um, say, I, I don't know, when I, whenever I talk to people who don't do agility and people that don't really do dog sports, like a lot of my, my friends, like at school say, they will always say, oh, I really want to do agility because my dog's really good at jumping like on the couch and like jumping over logs when we go hiking. And so my dog's really good at that kind of stuff. And that is, I think, where agility has been given this false name of being um, inherent to dogs' uh, natural abilities. It's not one. And but also, two, it's been given this false sense of being easy. So, you know, you just put your dog over a jump and now you're doing agility, which mm. I disagree with. And so that's like you say, that's where the obedience thing comes into it. But I think with a lot of agility uh, concepts, it's a sliding scale. Right. And also your dog will be bigger. So it's probably a little bit more um important for Eli and Jinx to be okay with like healing because when you when a big dog comes in front of you right you're gonna trip whereas when Dottie comes in front of me I'm just like oh, okay it's the fruit fly you know like okay keep going well, so yeah, I never told you injured Dottie right so small well, dogs no I don't are... step on yeah go yeah. get them agility listeners do not be fooled I do not step on my dog right but I think that this um I think that it's crucial to understand that yes healing is really important not only for just agility um, and learning to run, but I don't know that it's about tripping over your dog or you injuring the dog. I mean, it is, it is, it's, I said right. that wrong. It is, it's all about that, but I don't think that only big dogs should learn how to hang out at your no, right no, no, side. That's what, not what I mean. Yeah. I, I think I, I said that poorly. Um, but what I'm saying is that I never taught Dottie how to heal, but and, he, and I don't I think that I, but no, 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 but wait, 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 but wait, 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 but I taught Dottie how, I didn't teach Dottie how to heal because I knew that when I started training agility and foundations, I would be running ahead of her. Like I, at no, no point in Dottie's I, career have I ever thought to prepare to be behind her ever. And that's just how I handle, right? That's just how I run. But if you know that your dog's going to run faster than you, you have to be able to teach them to stay next to you. I think, I don't know. No, you're, no, you're missing my point. My point isn't to teach them how to stay next to me in agility because, my gosh, no, I don't want to be running side by side with Eli. There's going to be that continuous fluctuation between him overtaking uh -huh. me and me leaving him on an obstacle to get in front of him, right? So I'm, right. I'm definitely not looking to run side by side. But when you're teaching foundations, having them at your side so that you effectively you can teach them um, okay. to go forward to the jump is crucial. So if they're right. in front of you, so let's, let me just. No, I see what you, so you're talking about heel position. Yes. Crucially. And also or like foundation. walking and having the dog be continuing to like stay with you as like, not like in heel heel, but like, I see what you mean. Well, okay. there are two things yes, that I'm I trying agree. to avoid in foundations. Two, two things. And, and then I'm building up to, I don't, you know, I don't stop Eli from doing it right now because he's too young. <laughs> Poor Eli. <laughs> every day I think about it. Every time he does one of these two things, I think to myself, that will get me in agility. That's going to bite my butt if I don't mm -hmm. continue to look at it. And when I'm mm -hmm. in 
just walking the dog for potty mode, I'm not thinking about it. But when he's sure, okay, is walking next to me, I'm thinking about it, or at least in relative focus next right. to me. So here are the two things and that every time they happen, I think about how this is going to bite me in agility. Okay, the first one is him rapping in front of me and facing me. Mm, right? Yes. So when yes. I'm walking down the sidewalk and he raps in front of me, either to cut in front of me to go to the other side of the sidewalk or to face me for focus for a cookie. I know mm, that by mm -hmm. rewarding him in that front position without me instigating it, if I don't pay attention to that, it will get worse when I'm working right. on foundations. Especially for like contacts. So if you let your dog come off of the contact and then jump in front of you, if you have yes. stopped contacts, right. that's going to happen when you do agility. Um, and yeah. actually I've been really bad with that with Dot because if you guys notice, if you ever see me at a trial and I'm walking with Dottie, I'm almost, almost, almost always walking quite quickly because if I don't, she comes and sits in front of me and it is so annoying. I love Dottie. I would die for Dottie, but my goodness, she's constantly like tilting herself towards me. And so that's just walking, right? I'm lucky that she doesn't do that in agility, but if you have a dog that is constantly looking for your attention. So constantly going into handler focus, they're going to do that on course as well. Jess Martins is an instructor out of Canada. And she mm, has, yes, so yes. She has this, um, She and she offers a ton of free stuff if you join her Facebook page. Uh, She's awesome. Or at least she used to. I haven't been on there in a while. But one of the things that she would constantly say in her, what are they called when you do an online live? She would do a live Facebook. So mm -hmm. when you yeah. live Facebooks, one of the things that she, one of her mantras, I don't know if it's a mantra, but and one of her sayings is if the dog is giving you behavior, that is the preview for the show. And so if you're seeing your that, dog biting really you, if you're seeing your dog biting your ankles in practice, it's going to happen in a trial. If you're seeing your dog. Yeah, it's really embarrassing too. <laughs> if you're seeing your dog curling in front of you and um, biting at you, it's going to happen. And as it gets, it's going to get and, worse if you don't address it. Essentially. And not only is it embarrassing because Dottie used to be an ankle biter and I was very, very lucky that she grew out of that somewhat, but it's very, very possible that if your dog is an ankle biter, if you don't do anything about it, it will stay. And not only is it really embarrassing to like look at a judge in the eyes as your dog's like going to town on your ankle. Um, it's also really dangerous because if they do it while you're actually running, you've just kicked your dog in the face. Right. And so that's not okay. You know, you've got an injured dog on your hands now. Um, and so that can get really, really dangerous, especially to littler dogs. Like I know, you know, Dottie, that really worried me for a while because she's tiny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I kick her, that's it. Like something's going to happen. Yeah, I'm lucky now Eli, that she doesn't do that. Eli showed some, Eli showed some pant grabbing. Um, oh no, did your heart drop? The first week of having it within. And <laughs> it's so funny, but it's so bad. Well, I, I do oh. know that the breeder sent us a video of them all. Well, one of them doing, I can't remember which dog was doing it. Probably was Eli. Um, and she's like, sorry guys. <laughs> You know, and I was like, she doesn't care. I mean, she probably did care, but she also thought it was funny. And at that age, you certainly don't correct them. So she was, you know, right, right. Like, that's that's another thing. That's the issue with foundations. Right. So there's a time and a place to stop it. But the right. the, second, the second that um he did it to me, I immediately just stopped walking, waited for yeah. him to release, 
and then continued walking and had another toy to insert in, blah, blah, blah. You can't just like correct the dog and then just keep walking, right? Because he's a puppy. He doesn't right. understand. And so if he's going to town on your leg in a self-rewarding fashion and you're like, hey, don't do that. And you like stop, right? And then you keep walking. He's yeah. like, oh, uh, I say, okay, I, sorry. He won't come near you again. So I, I said the blah, blah, blah. And I think it's the blah, blah, blah that people want. So here's what I did. But, but this again, is this agility? Kinda, because you don't want it, right? Yeah, everything is always connected. So you like want to be able to walk with your dog without them grabbing onto your ankles or rotating in front of you. And mm -hmm. so what am I, so the, the ankle grabbing, you know, redirect them onto a toy, redirect them onto something that they're allowed to have if they need to tug, if that if that's what they're searching out. Um, you know, and don't keep walking yourself because then you become a walking tug toy. But, um, but, but so healing, healing, training our dogs in obedience. My goal for Eli is to be able to do this heel walk. And I started it on day one. I started where I feed him in relation to my leg is where I want him. So placement of reward is massive, massive placement mm. of reward, how you reward them, the mechanics of your hands makes a difference. And right, the so, backwards hand, right? Yeah, the hand, both your, so if your palm is flat and it's, and you've got your hand dangling at your side, fingers pointing down, cookie under your thumb, your palm is facing your butt or yeah. backwards like your butt your palm right or at least the tree is in the butt direction the right tree is in the butt direction where my dog facing nose, the direction of your <laughs> where where my dog's um, nose should be all right so heel exactly position, yeah heel position is all of our toes are facing in the same direction dog's mm -hmm. nose is parallel with my knee or my hip or my ankle parallel with the side of my leg dog most of the dog the the dog's body from its nose backwards from its nose to its tail is behind me that's heel position now obedience heel they want them within inches of your leg so not crowding you right, the obedience not, people are not going to be happy about this but not off in agility we just want them on the side of us so i don't care if he's a foot off my leg i don't care if he's two inches off my leg i just want him off my leg but behind his nose at my heel position so roughly right around there mm -hmm. and i want to be able to do it on my right side and my left side so place yeah. reward happens on the side all the time and this can continue far into adulthood Right. I mean, Dottie's five and I still reward her like that just out of habit. Right. Right. Um, and so it's not like this is a puppy thing. It's still it's good for adult dogs to do it as well. I think it's important that we also specify that these are for foundations, not agility. That's so exactly what I was you... just about to say. Is yeah, this... yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like we're just the same person. This is crazy. That's exactly what I was going to um, say. Because it's like putting your dog over a jump. That's not puppy stuff. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't think Dot saw contact equipment until she was a year old, right? I, I was think just it was closer around. to 10 months or so, but, um, okay. Yeah. Teeter, teeter, yeah. we waited. And even then it was, you know, 
on yeah. the ground stuff. Yeah, teeter. We definitely teeter was a year, I think, because it's high it impact. Yeah, because you can't. Yeah, I mean, she didn't even jump any bar at all until she was like, oh, it's over a year, I think. Yeah, yeah. What's um, the point? Yeah, because it's just jumping. it's hard. Not about the jumping. It's about the going between jump stanchions. Jumping is easy. The jump stanchions. Oh well, that's true too. The hard part. Right, but also you shouldn't put a puppy over jumps. But I want to go. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, hold on. Yeah, let's public service go, announcement here, guys. Let's not go to puppy. Agil- <laughs> let's not go to puppy agility. Just okay. Yet. Because I want to stay on this foundations of obedience. And so okay. what, yeah. to say, what you just said and what I completely agree with is that this is not agility. Found This is obedience. But it directly, yes. it directly influences our agility uh, dogs eventually. All right. So mm-hmm. learning how to run. So teach your dog how to jog with you and pretend you're on a bike right you're going to kill your dog if they go out in front of your tire right that's what you want (laughs) yeah teach your dog how to ride a bike next to you and not cross in front of you that's job number one so that was the first part look at that long-winded answer what are the two things that i work on in healing (laughs) it's very complicated is them coming in front of us so trying to prevent them or or reward them less for coming in front and rewarding them more for staying on our side okay the second one is crossing behind me crossing me that's a good one when when i'm asking my dog to hang out next to me on my right side so i'm not talking about going for a potty walk i'm not talking about just you know hanging out down you know on the grass i'm talking about when i'm asking my dog for an assemblance of stay on my right side stay on my left side and when i'm starting to do turns try not to go behind my back right and and again i'm not doing anything that's negative i'm just rewarding them a ton and if they do start to go behind my back I go and find them with that right hand behind myself, right? I don't, I don't go and find them in a blind cross on my left. So if I have my right hand out, I want my puppy dog to try and stay on that right side. And if they start to pull behind me, that right hand goes and helps them find the right side again without coming to my front, without bringing my hand to my belly button. It goes to my butt. (laughs) My hand goes to my butt. That is, I think that's really hard as well, especially if you're a new person to agility, the hand thing, because it's so hard to like push your dog, right? With the hand, because you're not allowed to touch your dog, right? And so um, there's a balance, right? Between using your hand and using your words and using your body, wherein using your in my opinion using your hand uh and your arm to point towards towards a jump that's not body motion your dog doesn't care about your hand or your arm unless you're like right in their face right so yeah yes but i mean like you have to make it obvious right so if you're like pinned your arms down by your side and you're like okay jump like that's you know you're not your dog's gonna be like what are you doing no they'll probably do just fine because they get oh never mind maybe i just have weird dogs that might be (laughs) that might be this might be a me problem here but again you're 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 getting ahead of yourself you're getting on to dogs that have already been trained on obstacles okay we are still talking about we're talking about dogs that are not trained on obstacles yeah we're talking about just 
running next to you. There's no option. So like Eli right now, obviously, I guess. Baby yeah. things. Yeah. And like and a year and younger things. Yeah. Or if you're new to agility. Six months and younger things. Um, all right. So that's so but what what I was trying to think of when we were doing the podcast the other day, I was trying to think of all the the foundation stuff that I'm doing with Eli that I don't do in my agility classes. And I was stressing over as an instructor, I was stressing over why don't I have this in my agility class? Why don't I have this in my foundation class? And the answer is because I expect it in obedience. That's the reason is all this healing stuff I expect in obedience. And maybe I should bring it into my foundation a little bit more. I have done it. I've, I've edged on it. I've sat on the edge of it and maybe I need to get more into the weeds, but as an instructor, especially with pet dog people coming in, not with the intention of doing agility, they just want to do the obstacles. And so they're like, well, when are we going to get on the, the dog walk? When are we going to put the bar on the jump? And foundations is not sexy, but you have to do it anyway, because if you don't, <laughs> you're going to end up doing it later on for some you're gonna do it on the course and that's not fun for anybody all of a yeah. sudden you know 20 bucks a run you're gonna oh, end dear. up with a lot of refusals you're gonna end mm -hmm. up with off courses you're gonna end up mm -hmm. with a ton of behaviors that you need to go back and fix because right and this is this is my oh sorry yeah, no, go ahead. continue. I keep I'm very passionate about this because I, I I really, really dislike the notion that agility is easy. I really, really do. Um because it's not. Because what we are talking about right now, I mean, that's you know, months worth of work, right? To bring up a dog that hasn't even seen agility equipment yet. And yeah. so, yes, do your foundations He's because it will make you tension, successful. But that's only because I couldn't be bothered to go find something else. And I'm like, right. Well, yeah. Dottie saw, Dottie, Dottie saw tunnels and jumps, you know, young, yeah. but not like jump jumps. Right. I mean, these were just, you know, yeah, I was teaching her to, I taught her, you know, Hey, Dot, you have back feet. Um, let's put your back feet on this target plate, you know? Yeah. That's foundations. Or target pad. Dogs don't know they have back feet. There's your fun fact of the day. They don't. That's why running contacts are so hard to teach because they don't get that they have to put their back feet into. They don't know they have back, back feet. Body awareness, back feet awareness. Rear feet. Would that be a better term? Rear feet. Okay. So hold on. What's the other? So here's the other one that I expect in obedience. There's actually quite a few, and I think we're going to run out of time on this podcast. But um, the other one that I expect in obedience class is stay. Stay like, is so big. I love stay. Staples of stay. Of, of sorry, stay is, is that, the best. Is that, is that not one of the main staples of obedience? Is stay. Sit, yeah. stay, come, walking, right? Sit, right. down, stay, come, walking, wait. Those are the things that I taught in my obedience class. And did I say come? I don't know. And but I agree. <laughs> yeah, so my my background is in obedience. That's that's where I started. And so maybe that's why I naturally gravitated that direction when Eli came in my my door. But yes, stay. Hello. Can dogs not stay? I mean, we I work a, uh, and they should be able to stay for their food bowl. They should be able to stay at a front door. They should be able to stay at a gate. They should be able to stay in front of a, an agility jump. 
and I know that and agility gets tricky because if that state isn't installed well, dogs get anticipatory. But the main downside, or the main, I think the main fallout of stay work is that handlers don't realize how sensitive dogs are to body language and they release on motion. They're not truly releasing on the verbal. And so the hand quickly does a little jump and the dog's like, that's my signal. Or we're mm, also predictable mm -hmm. human beings. And I am, oh my gosh, having watched all these videos that I've been doing. So I've been doing a ton of videos on Eli. If you go onto my YouTube, it's called 52 Weeks of Puppy Eli Agility Training. And wow, he's so cute. Oh gosh, I I absolutely love what, doing these videos and I, I love watching them back. But one thing that I have learned is how stinking predictable and consistent I am in my timing of my reward. So mm -hmm. I, I roughly, and I didn't count it out, but maybe I should now. I roughly go about six seconds and click. Six seconds, click. Six seconds, click. I'm so freaking predictable. So I definitely, that is something I'm like, okay, Margaret, you need to vary your timing on when you're asking for things. And, and so, and I think that this is just a natural human occurrence is we put our dogs into a sit stay and we either go four paces release or 10 seconds release. And I think dogs are sitting there counting one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000. Okay. She's about to release you. Get ready. Get, oh, yeah, there's the hand go. And then the handler's like, okay. And the dog's halfway over the jump. So verbal only releases and strengthening that verbal, okay, mm. or release. You can fake them out by running out off the start line. Um, only if, if they're trained. Off the start line. Only if, they're, only if they're trained. Oh, okay. well, that's true. Otherwise, that's true. Coming with you. Um, but, you know, I'm predictable in that way, too, because I run off the start line, but then I'll stop. And then I'll release Dot. And so she knows when I stop. She's like, oh, okay, it's time to go. Um, well, and so, so I'm so, actually trying to get myself out of that. Okay, so how do we improve our sit stays? This is the common thing, thing that I hear. He's great at home. Yes, that mm, is called... Generalization. That is called kitchen training. He needs... To, and he's probably great at obedience class too, because that's where you taught it. You need to go to Home Depot. You need to go to the school parking lot. You need to go to um, anywhere and everywhere. And this is where it gets a little difficult. It needs to be off leash because that leash can mm -hmm, become the predictor mm -hmm. of stay. If the leash is on, I stay. Mm -hmm. The leash has to come off and somehow fake out your dog that they're off leash or something. I don't know. But and put them <laughs> into a safe location um, or okay, let's say the leash can't come off. Double down on your training. If if stay is difficult, right. get a long line, right? Yeah, get a long line. Double up on your difficulty. Double up on your distraction training. Double up on your duration. Double up on mm. on your ability to release cleanly, right? So videotape yourself right. and slow it down see the difference between when your hand signal releases your dog and when your voice releases your dog because unless your dog is deaf they should not be releasing on a hand signal that being said I and mean, if you're in a really loud 
area and they don't release on the verbal, maybe do have a hand signal, but the right. hand signal needs to be predictable. Most people right. put a hand out there in a stay position and then they either drop it or they flip it and they're like, okay. So their hand, their palm is yeah. down in a stay, like backwards, you know, the hands behind them. Right. I do that. Yeah. And then they, they flip their hand up. So their palm is up. So that's okay. Right. Like you're using the force. They drop it down. Um, right. Or they move it. Forward. You could do what I call the kid element, which is you tell your dog to stay and then you do something that is completely insane like do a cartwheel in front of them and see if they get up. Um, Cause I used to do that when I was really young, I'd put Millie in the weave poles and then I do cartwheels by the weave poles. I was like or six would, at the time. Emma would, um, Emma would twirl. She would do this. Oh, job. that's right. You ever want to see, I, I think I have video of it on YouTube. Oh, please don't put that on the internet. Oh, it's so embarrassing. It but it works. Yeah. It works. Millie, Millie's yeah. bomb proof at that point. And it's the same with stay, like put your dog in it down and literally like lie on the floor on your back and then tell them to come to you like and see if they do it and see if they break the stay or you know go upstairs see if they're still staying go i don't know start oh, so singing. out of sight you're talking going out well, of sight. that's not as applicable for agility because like yeah, you're never gonna be out of sight good. but it's it proves if you can't it. do out of sight then doing in front of you is i mean that would make it easier if if they can do out mm -hmm. of sight then they're going to be better at in in sight as well yeah just over so my theory is just do something wait, like really weird do a down stay do a sit stay and do a stand stay and i would teach mm, yeah those because i think that there are some dogs out there that their bodies their brains tell them it's easier to jump this jump in a stand or it's easier yeah, to jump this jump in a, a down and so they will naturally gravitate towards that i i seriously think that sometimes this isn't across the board but sometimes when dogs readjust their handlers are like no you're not staying i think they're readjusting to perfect their takeoff for the jump i seriously true dottie shakes me off every time yeah, she does a little like good does a little wiggle and good she example. like she does like two steps forward and then she stays yeah, so they'll be put into this really perfected sit-stay, and they're like, I can't take off in this tight position. And they'll almost relax themselves and set their bodies in an appropriate position to take off. And that's in direct relation to how close they are to that first obstacle, right? So if they're True. too close, yeah. they're going to go from a sit to straight up over the obstacle right yeah you want at least two strides before you take off for any yeah, obstacle well, you ever need to know your dog's ability and so but when they're put into a sit or a down stay i think sometimes they readjust themselves on purpose not to break the stay but on purpose to set themselves up better for the obstacle now there are true right scooters. there are true scoochers i've seen them that's different well, jinx used to be one yeah but i think that we need to pay attention. Are they just readjusting their bodies for the obstacle and for the, the lift? Or are they readjusting skills to creep? There's a difference. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, I think we're ending. Thanks, Anne. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, love you. Go get them, Agility listeners. Happy training. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Woof, woof. Do your foundations. They're important. They're not <laughs> yeah. sexy, but they're important. Yeah.
We'll they do will make you sexy. They will make you sexy. They are the glow up that you need. Yeah, foundations aren't sexy, but you can be. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>